Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. You take your Bibles, you've got a pew Bible if you have a phone. Um, if you have the a scroll, you can pull that out. Just don't hit the person in the head next to you. That would be great. We don't need any bleeding going on. Uh, open up to the, the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament. Um, you scroll on your phone. Book of Luke, chapter 24. That's where we'll, we'll begin today. But um, as you're, you're hunting for that, um, Luke 20, or I'm, yeah, that's the wrong text. Luke 24. Uh, <laughs> Luke 24. And uh, we will start in verse 1. At my elementary school, if you really liked someone, the common practice was to write a note and inconspicuously drop that note on that person's desk or slyly pass that note from person to person across the classroom without being caught. And then you watch them as they open the note. I like you. Do you like me? circle yes or no and my how you doing Joey Tribbiani skills were underdeveloped at that point in time so I often got the note back with a gigantic circle around no um, and which was very depressing as you go out onto the recess at the dodgeball wall it was just a rough day after that and I remember getting a note back that was really confusing because they circled or and I didn't know how to respond to that but some of us got wise at Arrowwood Elementary and we provided a third option maybe right maybe because the maybe brings potential and possibility it allows them to to process and think do I like them? Do I really like them? Do I like them like them? But often, the maybes that I got were no way, no how, nine, never. Um, but the maybe, I felt like the maybes were kind of those moments where it was like pulling the Band-Aid off the hairiest part of your arm or your leg really, really slowly. It's like, just get it over with. I think a lot of us, have in our own way sent that note to the creator God and we've asked him the question do you like me circle yes or no and we've put that maybe option out there and we've just been found wanting I think sometimes life makes it feel that way as well. Now, I don't know if you've sent that note or not, 
if you think you've gotten the response or not. I think life has a way of making it feel like it's just a big, gigantic circle around no. The disciples, those who followed Jesus, that were close with him. Good Friday was actually, it was grief Friday. And grief Friday moved into grief Saturday. And grief Sunday. And we're going to meet them in their grief in Luke chapter 24, <clears throat> verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spi- the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now this this conversation, this heaven and earth conversation, these, these divine beings, these angelic warriors are having a conversation with these women who have followed Jesus probably for the last three years of their life. And so I've never had a conversation with an angel, and I often try to put myself into the scripture and kind of look around a little bit. So I imagine myself being one of those who have come to the tomb with with their hands full of all those spices. And as I come into eyesight of the tomb and see that stone rolled away, I'm shaking my head, wondering if it's still COVID brain. Am I, my eyes deceiving me? And then I look inside and I, there's no body. And then two angelic figures that are warriors standing before me. And then they ask me this question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, I don't know about you, but I find this question very, very strange. Why do you look for the living among the dead? If I was one of those women coming with all of those spices, I've actually come to prepare the body for burial. This is custom. And I think I would respond, one, after I had peed my girdle. Yes, you can laugh in church. It's okay. God is the God of laughter. After I've come out of my fright, I probably would have looked them in the eyes and said, I haven't come to look for the living among the dead. I've actually come to look for the dead among the dead. This is why I've come to the tomb. This is what we find among the dead. Dead. So I didn't come here to look for the living, which is very striking. 
if I was reading this story for the first time, I would be scratching my head. They actually came to this tomb expecting to find a dead body, bound, buried, and lifeless. Their whole objective was the, for the day was to, to anoint that with spices, prepare it for burial, and let it be stored for the next year. And these women who had been following Jesus and had been listening to all the teachings and probably witnessed a lot of miraculous things, they didn't come to the body to expect it to be gone. They expected to have to do the heavy work of rolling the stone away to taking the shroud over and rubbing the body with spices. You look for the dead among the dead. That's the narrative. That's the story. And that's what they know. That's what we know. Is it not? We understand that Death follows life. That's the story. That's the narrative. But there's something about this story that's way different than what we understand. So, honestly, if you're struggling with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, struggling to make sense of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're in, actually you're in really good company. You're in good company with those women that cared for Jesus as he was living. You're in good company with those 11 disciples that were his inner circle that actually watched him perform miracles, including raising the dead. But see, Jesus isn't around anymore. He can't perform that miraculous miracle anymore. So again, if you're struggling with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're in good company. But I want to tell you that I've learned over the course of my life, living out faith and reading the scriptures and watching God work, God is not bound by your understanding of him or your lack of understanding of him. God is not at the mercy of your past. What he can do is not contingent necessarily just on you. And so he's in this, they're in this moment and they're having this conversation. And the narrative continues to go through their head. What are the stories you tell yourselves? You know, I've, I've said often that we, we often are the ones that speak to ourselves more often than not. And we create narratives in our minds. And those narratives play out into our lives. And they are the filters from everything else that we, we see and experience. What are the stories that you tell yourself? What's the baggage that, that you're carrying yourself? God's not bound by that either. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here kind of wonder if this is a peekaboo moment in scripture I don't know where he is where is he in this moment but he's not there then 
they say something profound, dynamic, explosive. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of person you are in terms of good news, bad news. Are you the kind of person that likes the good news first or the bad news first? I prefer always good news and never bad news, but hey, if you're going to give me bad news, I want you to give me the bad news up front. I don't like to brace myself and wait to absorb the blow for later and then not enjoy the good news, right? It's fascinating here. It's fascinating by the fact that they follow up the good news with the reminder of the bad news. The fact is that the bad news is that the Son of Man must be delivered at the hands of sinful sinful men and be crucified. It's the bad news. That's what they've experienced. That's what their grief is for right now. Because in the last hours, the last days, what unfolded in the life of Jesus Christ is what we call the passion of Christ. Jesus is suffering. That was hard to take. That was bad news. And that passion includes the false accusations, the bogus trial, and the conviction, a false conviction, with a brutal beating, carrying the cross, and a horrific execution, and a humiliating view of his naked body as he's hanging, losing immense amounts of blood, and dying from asphyxiation, the suffering of Christ. Why the bad news following the good news? Why the reminder of what their grief was for? Why the blow again? Because they haven't seen Jesus yet, and they're still not understanding things yet. As we've said in this series called Passion, Erwin McManus said that if if you want to know what someone's passion is, look at what they're willing to sacrifice for. Look at what they're willing to die for. And he follows it up. If you want to know what Jesus was passionate about, look at his suffering. Look at those hours that we call passion see I think the angels are reminding them of Christ's passion not merely his suffering but his passion for humanity his passion for them specifically for them personally I want to remind you today that Christ's suffering on the cross, those hours of suffering, that passion was because he has a passion for you personally. You. Your family. Your kids. Your neighbors. Your co-workers. Christ has a passion for you. And, very specifically, 
the message from the angels connects it. He's risen. He has a passion to restore hope and faith and love to you and me, our community, our colleges, our high schools, our factories, our offices. He has a passion to restore hope Even when life doesn't feel like it's very hopeful. Uh, several Wednesday nights ago, I was in the hallway, and a young man came buzzing by me after youth group. And uh, buzzed right through the doors here, and a few mo moments later, I, I kind of peeked into sanctuary. And I saw this. This is Travis. Travis Link. And the, the guy who looks like a headless person, um, that's, that's our 87-year-old fixture around here. Uh, we call Grandpa. And I saw this moment unfold. And Travis was having a conversation with his creator. Now, this wasn't the story and the narrative of, of Travis's life a year and a half ago. Travis himself was utterly hopeless, despondent, and full of despair. And he found no power in the Satanic Bible or the spells of the witchcraft books that he consumed. In fact, those books actually ignited evil and hate and anger for himself, for his abusive stepdad, and for the church. In fact, the church that was near his home, he, he would often go by and curse and give the one finger greeting, if you know what I mean. And in fact, he had a conversation with his friend to conspire against that church specifically. He had been walking the hallways of his new high school with a plan to end his life four days later. And in the middle of that hallway, he met an old friend. And that old friend was very surprised at him and greeted him and sensed that something was deeply wrong and off with him and offered help and extended an invitation to youth group. And that next Wednesday evening, Travis, who once cursed the church, found himself in a place that he had conspired against in the middle of a group of people who were trying to figure things out in their life and hopefully engaging with their creator God and on that Wednesday night something dynamic happened in the depth of his soul 
that he had never felt or sensed in his entire life. And he continued to come back week after week after week. Those four days had passed. And he showed up here like you did by taking the risk. He showed up here on a Sunday morning in August, took the risk, entered the building, never had come to a Sunday morning. He was actually here very, very early, which is a great example <coughs> for all of us. Just saying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he, uh, he said, how can I help you? How can I serve? How can I help? And it was during that morning worship gathering, much like you experienced today, that he came down to one of these two altars at the front of the, the room. And a tectonic, epic shift happened. He encountered the living God and offered his life over to the living God. And in that exchange, he received life and hope for the very first time. Oh, he saw a glimpse of that hope. That's why he kept coming back. But in that moment, Travis's narrative shifted. The story of his life, the themes that played in his mind began to shift. And now he had the power to rewrite it with a co-author named Jesus Christ. And when he got up off of his knees, he was a completely changed individual. Now he, like you and me, are, is a work in progress. And he would, he would definitely say, I, I'm still a work in progress. But what has shifted is that he knew for the very first time that God's passion, Christ's passion for all the world, for God to love the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, that that was for him as an individual. And what was once hopeless and lost and despairingly was now hopeful and a future before him with such beauty and promise and purpose. You might think you have sent a letter to the living God saying, you like me? Circle yes or no? And you might think that you're waiting on him to give you that answer. But it's the other way around. In fact, when John the author of the book of John began to unfold the hours of Jesus' passion. He opens it up and says, and now Jesus showed them the full extent of his love. And in his, in his note, in his letter, he said, and this is love that Jesus Christ
might think you're waiting on God, but actually, I'm waiting on you to respond. His passion is for you to restore hope to you, to bring life back to you. might still find yourself kind of juxtaposed to the empty tomb and you were full of questions and you're full of doubt and you're full of just a lot of life that has been burdening you and weighing you down. Remember, you're no different than those women that came to the tomb. But I can tell you, in their hopeless moment, in their grief, and what they felt was a lifeless moment, the message of true hope actually unfolded before their very eyes. It was the message of hope that transformed them. They didn't have to be transformed to come to that message. They didn't have to change. His love would shift them and change them. So I ask you today, are you going to circle yes? Don't circle or. Are you going to circle yes? Hope isn't a maybe either. Hope is assurance. It's certainty. Are you going to circle yes? I think he is. That's awesome so good would you mind bowing your heads with me just a moment <laughs> God you're really good you have great timing Jesus so does Logan it's great in this moment I'm I'm just gonna pose to you heaven's waiting on you Heaven's waiting on you to look at that note. And it's not a like note, it's a love note. God truly loves you where you are, for who you are. And he meets you right where you are. I invite you to receive what God has for you. You might not be as despairing as Travis was, but you might feel a little lifeless and you might feel a little hopeless right now. just ask and invite you in this room and in this moment to make this moment your moment and cross the line of faith and if that's you I just ask that you repeat after me there's nothing magical about the prayer but it's the sincerity of your heart just repeat after me Jesus give you my life Jesus you gave your life 
for me and I want to give you my life. I give you my life. Now, if you're wondering how well you've done with your life thus far, I can tell you, God can take your life and lift the lid. Jesus, I give you my life. If you sincerely ask that in this moment to the Lord God Almighty, I just ask that you you make eye contact with me so that I can pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We come with grateful hearts, humbled that you loved us before we could love you. entirely grateful that you took the weight of our sin on your shoulders Lord that you became sin that we might have righteousness that we might have a relationship with God Almighty and that we may be cleansed and clean and purified in our hearts and in our minds and our life can become whole and complete and holy Thank you, Jesus, for that. And I ask that for those that are still curious about you, that are still trying to make sense of your resurrection, trying to make sense of the gospel and this good news in light of all the world around us and everything going on, Lord Jesus, will you speak right into it? May they not sit on their hands, but may they... May they be active in, in asking the questions and, and talking with the Creator and seeking you. But God, I ask that you meet them where they are and you reveal yourself to them. For those of us who, who own our faith, Lord God, I hope and pray that the curious who are really curious about who God is, that when they look at, at those followers of Jesus Christ, that they can actually see the living and not the dead. We can proclaim that you're alive, but Lord Jesus, if, if that has not shifted our hearts and made a dynamic movement in our life, man, I don't want your death to be in vain. I don't want your resurrection to be in vain either. May your church be vibrant and life-filled and, and beautiful. And Father, may we be people filled with your peace. praise you today and we thank you today it is in your name Jesus that we ask these things today amen folks you may you may stand if you'd like or if you don't you can sit there that's cool you you can choose I, I, I'm all right with that I just want you to know that letter that note is still in your hand it's still in your hand when you get up today and you leave out those doors, the note's still in your hand. Continue to press into God. Press into Him and find He will, he will make Himself known. And just so that you're aware, 
We open every Sunday at 11 a.m. And you are invited. We love you. And we really appreciate you. And we've been praying for you long before we've met you and known you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Be loved people, loving people to Jesus. Have a wonderful resurrection day. Eat a lot of ham. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.